CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. It's Friday, and that means it's time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Here's what's coming up. Tonight, Apple's had nearly a 30% run since the middle of June. Carter Worth thinks that's overdone. He'll show you where he thinks the stock could slide back to. Then, despite a rebound in both lumber prices and its stock, Tony Zhang is taking Home Depot to the woodshed. Find out how he's chopping this trade up. Plus, Mike Coe has a different take on a different retailer ahead of its earnings next week. He'll show you how to aim for a bullseye with Target. It's time to risk less to make more. Options action starts now. Let's get right to it. Check out the move in Apple since the middle of June. Shares rocketing higher around 30%, almost in a straight line. But is gravity ready to take a hold of Apple? Carter, what are the charts saying? That's my thought, that gravity is, is in, in the wings. But uh, let's figure it out together. First, the table. What do we know about Apple's gain? Its actual gain from the low is now 33% from the absolute low. Every figure you see there at 150 basis points with today's closing prices. So Apple is basically double uh, the S&P off the June low. So a chart or two. The first, Apple, and it's very short term, right? It's just over the past um, year, uh, 10 months, in fact, we have that beautiful head and shoulders bottom. But we have what you now call a measured move. We've achieved the objective of that formation. So look at the next chart. And it just puts in context the high, right, of 179.61, the low of 129, and the recovery back to where we are now at 172. Spot one is where it closed. So the next chart puts this in context. It talks about the gain in relation to the loss. It's the same chart, but we lost 28% and now we've recovered 32, but it just leaves us back at a difficult level. The comparative chart you see on the screen tells a tale. And the final chart is relative performance. This is relative performance. Apple simply is a ratio chart to the Qs. It's so far above trend. It has outperformed the Qs to such an extent we think if you're long, you write calls or you trim those longs. And with new money in the market on Monday, I'd rather be short than long Apple. Mike, how are you trading this? Yeah, I mean, Apple is uh, obviously it's a money making machine. It's a cash flow generating monster. Uh, after their most re- recent earnings, I think they outperformed the S&P by about 300 basis points that day. And then, of course, the outperformance that Carter was just outlining, that's essentially happened every trading day since that time. But, you know, it's interesting. For a very long time, we sort of took it as a given that Apple was, because of its size, going to trade at and oftentimes below the prevailing market multiple. But take a look at where we are right now. Apple is trading 26 times earnings, not this year's earnings, not next year's earnings. It's trading 26 times 2024 earnings, which are probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $6.88 a share. That's pretty rich when you consider where the market is right now in the high teens. So I'm kind of with Carter here, but important things to remember when you're thinking about betting against a stock that performs and has been performing as well as this one has and is. And, and that is that shorting stocks carries unlimited risk. 
So this is not a, uh, a strategy that we typically advocate. So I'm going to look to do a put vertical, a debit put vertical. But in this case, I'm going to use an in-the-money put spread. And the reason I'm doing that is so that I reduce the amount of decay. If you think about it this way, uh, if you choose an out-of-the-money, if you're purchasing a, a debit spread, out-of-the-money is going to have decay. In-the-money, you may have either reduced decay or none. And of course, if you are completely in the money, that's effectively a credit spread. So lowering the decay because it lowers the break-even, or in this case, uh, raises it because we're making a bearish bet, increases your probability of profit. I was just looking out to September, the 175, 160 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, that would cost a little under $5. Now, the stock was around 171 or so uh, when I was looking at that, and it closed higher, I think, as Carter was pointing out, because we rallied uh, quite a lot from 1 o'clock until the close. But that's going to cost you less than 5 bucks. So it's a $15 spread. There's probably about a dollar's worth of decay in this thing. It pays a, a little bit better than two to one. Uh, I think this is a way, if you're inclined to uh, fade the stock here, to do it with limited risk. Tony, what do you think of the trade? Yeah, so I've been bearish on Apple since earnings. I remain bearish right now. I do think Carter has perhaps timed this a little better than I have. But you know, the one thing that we haven't talked about enough is the fact that the company provided guidance a few weeks ago with respect to slowing down on both spending and hiring. And if we look at the earnings report, there were a significant deceleration, if not outright kind of disappointment, if you will, on the the uh, uh, the product lines outside of the iPhone. If you look at the Mac, you look at the iPad, especially the wearables, there was some significant declines. And I think this is really where we're starting to see the fundamentals decouple from where the stock price is currently trading, not to mention the valuations that Mike is referring to, because not only is it rich relative to the market, the fact that we're expecting only single-digit EPS gains here for Apple over the next couple of years, trading at 26, 27 times next year's and in, in, in the, in the 2024 earnings is just outright somewhat ridiculous. And I think it warrants a, a bearish opportunity here. Now, because the earnings uh, catalyst is already over uh, two weeks ago, traditionally in this type of environment, I would advocate more so for selling credit spreads. But Mike has found a in-the-money debit spread where he's paying virtually very little in extrinsic value. So this is really where he's able to get the benefits of a debit spread, a more than two-to-one risk-to-reward ratio, and not having to pay a, 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 a lot of time premium for that. So in this particular case, I really like his structure of using a in-the-money debit spread to look for an, a bearish exposure over the next 30 days. Carter, um, I have one last question for you, and that is, are there circumstances in which uh, the relative outperformance of a stock versus its index is justified and may, may portend a period where the stock gets re-rated? Sure. So, it, 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 and to some extent, it's justified here, right? It's been, it's been a reliable, as Mike said, cash flow monster. But the question is, like anything, can you just get extended too good uh, and that's our thinking. And remember, now we're up to 7.3% of the S&P, almost back to the three trillion mark. You know, we'll see. I'd rather be selling than buying. So, so good it's bad, as opposed to yeah, the reverse of what you typically say. Right. Okay. Exactly. A new one to, uh, to needle point onto a sampler. Uh, let's switch gears here. Check out the retail names on deck to report earnings next week, including Home Depot. That stock up nearly 15% so far this quarter. But Tony says the name may need some improvement before the gains continue. So, Tony, how are you trading this? 
Yeah, I'm looking at Home Depot and we've seen a fair amount of weakness here in construction. I'm unfortunately thinking that that might see a disappointment in the Home Depot numbers next week. Now, the stock has, is already declined 37% from its peak, but as you said, we've seen a pretty significant rally off of that bottom. But right now we're, re ba we're back to a pretty important level, that 315 level. This is a prior level of support that's now going to be a level of resistance. We see a lot of uh, buyers no longer stepping in and perhaps some sellers uh, get back in that are trapped above looking to get out of their trades and we see this in the relative performance chart because despite the fact that Home Depot has been making absolute gains over the past few weeks relative to its sector the the consumer discretionary sector we're actually seeing to move to the downside so that underperformance we see going into the earnings over the last couple of three weeks uh, last two to three weeks that's something that I look for going into earnings and that's a sign that we could potentially be in for a disappointment and then if you look at the home construction numbers, the economic numbers that came out for June, they surprised to the downside. And I think that that's going to show up here both in Home Depot's numbers for this particular quarter and potentially also guidance going forward. And if you consider the fact that Home Depot is currently trading at about 18 times next year's earnings, that's a pretty hefty premium to its main competitor Lowe's that's currently trading at about 14 times next year's earnings, despite looking at lower EPS growth expected over the next couple of years. So if you look at all of those things in conjunction with each other, the, the options market is implying a fairly sizable move, about 4.8% versus the average we've seen over the last eight quarters of only 3.5%. So I'm gonna use a trade structure similar to Mike's, but I'm gonna use an out of the money debit spread here for Home Depot versus the in the money that he's using for Apple. And I'm going out to September and I'm buying the 310-285 put spread, paying about $7.13 for this debit spread. That's risking only two, uh, about a little over 2% of the stock's value. I'll get a little bit more than a two to one risk reward ratio, similar to Mike's, uh, but risking only two and a half percent of the stock's value to bet on what could be a disappointment next week. Mike, what do you think? Uh, well, we own Home Depot in our fund, uh, Lowe's too, actually. And I, I do agree with one thing, and that is Home Depot is trading at a slightly wider premium to Lowe's, but it's still a reasonable multiple relative to the market, and the stock has sold off quite a lot. Uh, so I'm hoping he's wrong here. Uh, I do think that there could be some measure of disappointment. Remember, when Lowe's reported last quarter, they really had a blowout number. Uh, one of the things I would point out, though, is we have seen revolving credit debt going up, even though cash balances have, for consumers has remained relatively constant. So it's it's possible that that money is being spent on groceries, but some might also be getting spent uh, at the home improvement stores. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Still to come, Target stock is down 25% year to date. But Professor Coe thinks that's about to change. He'll show you how he's aiming for upside on the company's earnings next week. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Options Action. We are sticking with the retail space and darting into Target. The retailer down more than 25% this year, but it's made an impressive rally from its lows. And if you think shares can keep climbing, Mike has got a way to play the name for a bullseye of a trade. Mike. Yeah, so we were just talking about Lowe's and Home Depot. Lowe's obviously had very good numbers last quarter, but guess what didn't? Target. Target really had a a horrible quarter the last time they reported. In fact, it was the worst result uh, in terms of price action after the most recently reported quarter that they've seen uh, in the recorded history that I even have for the stock, down more than 20%. Here's the thing, though. Of course, we, we know from that call that uh, they have a lot of things that they're concerned about. So number one, they saw declining margins. Some of the reasons for that, they had a big inventory build. Consumers were making a shift in their purchases that they had not previously expected. They also spoke about high freight costs. And I have a feeling that this quarter, they're going to see very little relief from that. And right now, I will point out that the options market has a very big implied move, well over 8%, closer to 9 in fact. But one of the points I would make is that because the stock has fallen so far, uh, they don't really have to even get anywhere close to where the street was previously expecting them to get uh, to be reasonably valued here. Um, Right now, this company is trading about 17 times earnings. If they get even close to the number that everybody has forecast for uh, 2023-24 timeframe, we're looking at maybe 14 times uh, earnings. So I think there was a lot of bad news built in. And that gives us a little bit of a buffer. That said, it has bounced pretty considerably right off of those lows. So what I was looking at doing was trying to take advantage of that elevated premium by using a call spread risk reversal. Specifically, I was just looking out to the August 26th weekly, the 150, 175, 190 call spread risk reversal, selling the 150 puts, buying the 175 calls and selling the 190 calls. When I was looking at that earlier today, uh, you could do that for very close to even. Now, of course, the stock may have rallied a little bit into the day, so you know your mileage may vary on Monday, but that's what we're looking for, is to get these things on for just about even. And notice the strikes I've chosen are approximately that implied move away. So if it moves the implied amount to the downside, I'm basically not going to have a lot of downside exposure. If it moves the implied amount to the upside, I'm going to get to participate pretty much one for one. And not to mention, that lower level is uh, also where we started buying the stock. So I I think that's an attractive entry point in any case. Carter, what do you see in the charts? Sure, I have two. The first is a comparative chart, and it it, it really puts in context the plunge um, for Target in relation to the S&P. Target was tripling the performance of the S&P. This is a two-year chart, and the plunge makes them now even money on a two-year basis, exactly even money. So obviously it was ahead of itself in hindsight, but now what? Final chart of two. Here's the thing, that one-day drop, that was the biggest one-day drop on May 18th since 1987. Now, that's called being re-rated, but notice it's not gotten worse since. Basically, it's stabilized, and it's a little bit higher since that day. Uh, The worst is behind it in terms of price action, That's my thinking, and I think you play it on the long side into earnings rather than the short side. Tony, you agree? Uh, This is where I'm a little conflicted because I certainly think you can make a case here for Target to get back up to that 190, potentially even fill that 210 level, that huge gap that is left unfilled. But I think what's concerning to me is the fact that despite the fact that the chart is making what seems like the early innings of a more constructive move to the upside, the relative 
the relative performance to its sector remains quite poor. And that's what I don't like to use, uh, like to see going into an earnings announcement. So from that perspective, the chart, I don't particularly love. But the fundamentals that Mike was referring to, that part is constructive. The fact that it's trading at 14 times next year's earnings and the EPS growth that we're expecting, I think is a relatively cheap valuation. But the part that I really do like is Mike's trade structure. So I would not risk my capital going long target using the stock itself, but I would use a call spread risk reversal like this because you effectively have a 15% downside protection by selling that 150 put to finance the 175, 190 put spread that uh, 190, 175, 190 call spread that he has to the upside. So he's effectively financing the upside calls uh, for, for about 1% of the stock's value by selling those 150 puts. And the only thing to, to remember is that if you do see target trading lower, anywhere between now where it's trading now and 15% lower, you will see a paper loss on the position. But if you held that to expiration, as long as the stock stays above 150, that's when you're going to see only about a 1% of the stock's values uh, loss. So that is something to consider if you are putting on this type of trade structure. Mike, last word here. Yeah, I mean, with respect to expiration, of course, it's only two weeks from today. You know, this is really targeting uh, earnings. I mean, I, like I said, we're actually long the stock. The options trade is really going into earnings. And uh, we wanted to give at least two weeks until expiration uh, so that we have some time to sort of digest next week's earnings. But the fact of the matter is you're not going to have to wait very long to figure out whether this one's a win or a loss. Up next, we're taking a look back on some past trades and taking your tweets. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. A few weeks back, Tony laid out a way to play Uber for a five-star ride. Shares hit the gas and surged nearly 40%. So, Tony, what are you doing now? Yeah, we sold these puts for about $1.35. In hindsight, I should have bought some call options, but we sold them for $1.35. They're now trading for two cents. It's time to buy them back and simply decide whether you want to now buy the stock with the premium that you've collected. All right. Well, that same show, Mike laid out a way to play Caterpillar. Since then, Cat has climbed nearly 5%, and the trade is hovering near the break even a week out from expiration. So, Mike, what are you doing? Yeah, so uh, one, of, one part of this trade is going to be expiring uh, next week, and I think you can just simply uh, allow that to happen. I believe that's the, uh, the short side. But, you know, that's the whole idea here. You basically want to uh, try to collect that last bit of premium if you can. The worst case is that you'll be put the stock. That's the thing, though. Next Friday, if you do not want to be put the stock, what you want to do is, uh, if you sold the puts, is uh, to cover those on next Friday. If you had the buy right on, then you just let the calls go. All right, let's get to some tweets here. Our first one asks, what is the play in the VIX? So low, is it some good insurance here? Carter, what do you say? Right, so again, my thinking for the market, and this is important, that after a rally of this magnitude back to an inherently difficult level, the market starts to churn and go sideways, and there's more downside risk at that point than upside potential. The VIX is depressed, and so it is a perfect way to sort of buy insurance. You can do it through VXX, but we're, we're at a level where ultimately you should see a higher VIX, and so getting insurance or buying insurance makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Mike, what do you say? Yeah, this is uh, the lowest levels that we've seen in 30-day S&P implied volatility since since April. And we've had quite a run here. Uh, and I don't think we're completely out of the woods, so I think it makes some sense. I actually own some SPX uh, put spreads myself. That's uh, the way that I would play it against a long book. 
All right. Our next tweet, tweet asks, DraftKings has had a great run these past few days. Thoughts on selling the September 17.50 put using the proceeds to buy the November 22.50 call. Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, so this is where, one where the charts look fairly constructive, not only on an absolute basis, but on a, also on a relative basis. But that sort of is the problem. You're up about 31% since that breakout level. You're up about 43% over the past couple of weeks. The risk to reward at this point does not favor going long right now. I think you want to wait for a pullback before establishing one of these uh, synthetic long positions, as you've suggested. Carter, how does this uh, chart seem? This is one uh, that has really skyrocketed as this uh, tweeter, if that's a word, <laughs> points out. Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's all the same trade, right? These are the, the what the mm -hmm. arc is, things that have been, This was a $10 stock in May. It's now 20 And Tony's point is it's ahead of itself. Now, one could say, yes, but it's all-time high. Is you quintuple your money just to get back there. But things like this, this is just the most speculative. They've already been bid up. They're better sells than buys my mind. All right. Our last tweet asks, I have a four January 20, 2023, $12 call. When roughly would it be a good time to exit? Mike, what do you say? Uh, well, the first thing is I'm with you. I have uh, 2023 uh, January calls in port, not the 12 strike, but uh, a couple others. And I own the stock as well. So I'm, I'm with you on the long side. Here's the things. Those are well in the money. You don't just have to exit, you can also roll. And that's what I would recommend that you do. You can sell those calls and roll up to a higher strike. Tony, would you recommend the same? Absolutely. I actually, we also own this uh, Ford uh, call options as well. We've already started to roll some of these up as they start to trade higher. We think that there's further upside here in Ford, and I think that's a great advice from Mike's side. You like Ford from a chart perspective, Carter? I think it's rallied to a difficult level and rather take some money off the table. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Takes two sides to make a market. Up next, final call. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. A Carter Worth. Yeah. Apple is 129, middle of June, it's 172. Take some money off the table. Tony Zhang. Home Depot might disappoint on the back of weak home construction numbers, buying a put spread. Mike Coe. If you want to fade Apple, I think in the money put spreads give you a favorable risk reward here. And I like target into earnings, but I like to use call spread risk reversals so I can give myself some immediate upside without the immediate downside. That does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, a CNBC special return of the retail trader starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.